I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? I hope that you are feeling alive. I'm Josiah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Joined today and always by my wife and co-host, Micah Keneally. Hey, babe. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I didn't ask, but I'll tell you that I'm doing well. I was about to ask. I'm one step ahead of you. Yes, you are. True, (laughs) True story. One time, this is a real conversation. I was like, Micah, how do I get to keep being married to you? And she goes, just keep up. Just keep up, yep. (laughs) Try to keep up. So, Micah, will you introduce our returning guest to the show today? I'd be happy to. We are so thrilled to have her. She's just been an inspiration to hundreds and thousands of individuals and people. And we get to be with her again. And the listener tuning in, you get to hear from her again. So we have the one and only Rachel Cruz, who is a two-time number one national best-selling author, financial expert, and host of the Rachel Cruz Show. Since 2010, Rachel has served at Dave Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches people to avoid debt, save money, budget, and how to win with money at any stage of life. Amen. We need to do that. She's authored three best-selling books, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Smart Money, Smart Kids, which she co-wrote with her husband, um, or father. Yeah, I got new contacts, so forgive my eyes. Her latest book, now, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, Discover Why You Handle Money the Way You Do and What to Do About It, it is going to be released January 2021 Today, already. Can as you you're can you Book believe it? Day. Happy New Year. So Rachel, welcome back. How are you? Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. And I'm great. I'm doing great. Well, again, welcome back. We're going to dive in. And last time you were with us, we talked really about two things, marriage and money. Mm-hmm. And jumping right in, you wrote a brand new best-selling book, um, Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And can you just tell us why did you write this and give us a little glimpse into the book? Yes. Well, about probably three years ago, I kind of went on this personal journey, if you will, of really understanding myself in a much deeper way. I had a lot of like self-awareness aha moments of realizing, oh, wow, this is why I do things the way I do them. Everything, you know, learning from books and personality assessments like the Enneagram and counseling and like all this stuff and realizing more of who I am. And I realized that that self-awareness emotionally made me a much healthier person and I was a better wife. I was a better mom. I was a better friend and sister and daughter. And I remember thinking, could this apply to my money? Like I teach people about money. That's what I do for my job. But like, can I start asking these same questions about my money? And it just sent me down this like black hole. And I was like, oh gosh, this has to be a book. This is, it's so interesting once I dove into it because I talk about the how-to of money all the time. For a decade, I have, right? How to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to give, how to sell your house, or how to refinance, like blah, 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 blah. And realizing, wow, the how-to is important, but really understanding why we do the things we do is even more important. And we talk about personal finance as 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So that head knowledge on what to do, again, is needed. But the behavior is is massive. That's a big part of winning with money. But if we don't understand why we're doing the behaviors we're doing, we almost just end up in the cycle. So I started, started asking these questions and yeah, and then, and then the book came. And so understanding yourself, know yourself, know your money. Um, I'm really excited because I think, again, I wrote, the, well, I wrote the book not for just 
self-awareness sake or having these aha moments and that's it, but to apply it to your life. And when you do, when you apply it to your life and your money, you end up winning with money faster. That's absolutely true. And I think that's an aha moment that many people do not reach until they're close to retirement. And they're just like, why didn't I plan for this? Or your kid gets to college and you're like, they're 18. What have we been doing the last 18 years? And what spending habits have we adopted both healthy and very probably unhealthy in that process? And I will say to the listener, um, reading this book has been uh, so much fun. We actually do some marriage mentoring. I said, Josiah, this has to be a part of the marriage mentoring aside from the Dave Ramsey book that we always have everybody go through. I'm like, this is like part two of discovering the why we do what we do and how to do that. So setting people up for success at a young age and hopefully seeing them grow. And Rachel, one of the things that you talk about is obviously your family of origin the homes and families we grow up in and how this shapes our life, our money, our finances, even decades after we move out of the house. And in fact, there are four money classrooms that you specifically describe and paint a picture with this fun quadrant. Maybe I'm just nerding out when I grabbed your book, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, she's speaking my language and it's such an easy, fun read. Um, But can you just share about those four quadrants and what they represent and help us identify where we're at in the process of discovering why we do what we do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, going back to your childhood is really an important part of discovering who you are, right? And some people are like, no, don't take me back there. And I'm like, no, 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 it's good. Because as my counselor said to me, we're not here to bash our parents. We're not here to defend our parents. We're here to tell the truth. And telling the truth of how you grew up is a really important starting place. Because either you implemented a lot of what your parents did, right or wrong, in your own life, or you just did the complete opposite. I've heard people do that. Like, it's just like, they just end up doing the complete opposite because they didn't like how they grew up with money. But what you have to realize is that money's communicated in two ways, verbally and emotionally. So verbally, it's either open or closed. Emotionally, it's either stressed or calm. So it does create this little beautiful quadrant. Thank you. Literally, it was like a God moment in one of my brainstorms for the book. I like started doing it and I was like, oh, shut up. I was like, oh no. Oh my God, it creates a quadrant. I was like dying. I was like, oh, this is so good. Um, But the first quadrant is the anxious money classroom. And this is where you grew up in a home that was verbally closed and emotionally stressed. So you probably felt a lot of tension around money, but you never really could pinpoint why because it wasn't talked about. Then you have the unstable money classroom. And this is where, where verbally it was open, but emotionally stressed. So you probably heard money fights, probably the same money fight over and over again. Maybe your parents fought with other family members about money, but like there's just a lot of conflicts, a lot of tension around it. And then there's the unaware money classroom. And this is where it is emotionally closed. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verbally closed, but emotionally free. So calming, freeing, peaceful, but you never heard about money. So it was almost like you were unaware, your head was in the sand, you never even thought about it. And then the most, definitely the most healthiest out of the four is the secure money classroom. And this is where it's verbally open and emotionally calm. So this is a place that, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money to be in this quadrant. You know, you could have $10 in your bank account, but if you're managing it well, you're working a plan, you have control over your money, naturally you're going to have less stress. There's going to be a level of peace there and you're willing to talk about it. And so talking to your spouse, talking to your kids, it's just an open environment. And I think a lot of people 
grew up probably with a with a verbally closed household when it came to these this, these kind of topics, right? Money, sex, politics, all of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents don't just engage their kids that way. Um, but seeing how important it is, oh, how important it is to talk about it. So being able to pinpoint which one you grew up in, which quadrant, because with those come some benefits, but also some weaknesses that you're going to have to overcome right. in adulthood. Well, I love what you said, Rachel, that <clears throat> when we are self-aware as young leaders, it sets us up for success because we learn about our childhood. We learn about ourselves from our family of origin and we can be honest with it. And I love that you referenced too, like one of the things Mike and I believe is counseling is good. Mm-hmm. It's not just even okay, it's good and it's a mm-hmm. gift from God and it's part of holistic health. And why we're even talking about money and finances today and bringing you back on the show is it's a point of stress in a lot of leaders' lives. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's something that maybe, like you said, maybe their, their parents never taught them, maybe their education never taught them. And so it's like, where are they going to learn it mm-hmm. except for a podcast like this one and, or a book like yours? And mm-hmm. so part of Mike and I's journey too is we became parents like six months ago at the time of recording this. And so this helps us now as young leaders and young mm-hmm. parents as a young family to say, wow, I want our daughter Aurora and our future family or kids, mm-hmm. the next generation to, to live in a secure environment mm-hmm. where we can have healthy conversations, where we can even teach and talk about money, but it's not this stressful, taboo, mm-hmm. closed off concept. Right. It's open, we're calm, we're honest and aware about it. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, one of the things that I look at like the season of this show right now is people are in the thick of it. Like, right. People are panicking about a pandemic. They're worrying uh, about economic outcomes. And and fear is one of the number one emotional triggers when it comes to money. Can you talk about fear? You wrote about it and you you described really good fear and bad fear. Will you also dive into those and the difference? Yes. Well, when I was writing about it, you know, fear naturally... I just assume it's a bad thing, right? Like comes up and you're like, no, 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 no. And I was talking to Dr. Chip Dodd. He wrote the book, uh, Voice of the Heart, if y'all haven't read it. It's amazing. It's amazing. But fear is one of the main emotions we have. And he's the first person actually read the book before I even talked to him about this book. But in our interview, he said, fear is actually a gift because it's literally your body's reaction to needing something. So whether that's a bear is coming at you and you're having to run away, right? Like there's a, there's a big fear right in front of you or it's a fear of money. And you're like, okay, now when it turns into anxiety, that's right. where it starts to get unhealthy. And you don't want to be at that place. And you know, scripture is clear. Don't be anxious about anything. Like we don't want that. So we don't want the fear to rise to that degree. But, but if there is a money fear, listen to it, say it out loud, figure it out to be like, okay, put words to it that, okay, that's actually it. So one of the fears is actually women's top financial fear. We may have talked about this in the other podcast too, but it's the lack of security. And that's a huge fear that a lot of Americans have, but specifically women, because 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, 40% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency in cash. So like the, oh yeah. So like the state of where people are, and then you add a pandemic on top of everything and it's just like crazy. So the state of where people are, it is a very insecure feeling money is. So if you have that fear, it's probably for a reason. It's probably because you are living paycheck to paycheck, maybe because you do have a lot of debt and that's what you depend on for your backup, your safety net. Maybe you don't have savings. So that 
fear is a gift. Listen to it. And that way you can use it to motivate you to implement things in your life financially to put you in a good spot. So there's that fear of the lack of security. You know, if something happens, are we going to be okay? Um, there's also the fear, which I always thought was very interesting is I don't want to end up like my parents. Mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, oh yeah, my parents are nearing retirement and they got nothing. Like I will not do that. Or I talk to people and their parents have so much debt because they were so obsessed with looking great and everything had to be perfect on the outside, but it was a mess at home. And they were like, I refuse to be that. Like listening to people talk about their parents' situation. um, A lot of people are like, I don't want to end up like my parents. So yeah, there's about six financial fears in the book that I go through, but um, man, they're so real though. Right. And like, and I, and I even talk about how it may, fear may not even be rational. It could be totally irrational. During the pandemic, I, I had a couple moments where I like had to take a few deep breaths where I was like, Winston, are we gonna? Are we gonna be okay? Like, I, and on paper we are. Winston, I've been doing this for a decade. We have no debt. We have savings. Like, we're fine on paper. My fear was so irrational, but it still concerned me, and it makes me question. Like, am I good? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but so yeah, it, it's fear is a wild thing. But when you can turn it into motivation, and you can turn it and see it as a gift of things you need to implement, uh, it can be a really healthy thing. Yes. And I absolutely love, so I was reading, even in your book on page 25, when you're talking about like financial responsibilities and you're talking about family. And I think when you're kind of maybe even the sandwich generation where you're taking care of the elders, like your parents, and you're taking care of your own children, whether you realize it or not, you're taking care of two different generations and you're the sandwich in between. And one thing that you said, I just want to quote you right here. I believe it's you. And if it's not, I want people to hear it. And it's <laughs> the financial health of other people is not your responsibility, even when you love them dearly. And for me personally, reading that was so freeing. I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. One, God's got any family member that I may be That's concerned good. about. Two, God has us through a pandemic and he will see it through Three, like you said, we're doing everything wise, as wise as we can. It makes sense on paper. You know, we're, we're financially, hopefully stewarding everything that we possibly can. And we know that money is a steward for our dreams in the process. The dreams we have for ourselves, the dreams of setting our family tree up for success. And a lot of our listeners and young adult leaders have God-sized dreams too for their lives, for their marriages, for their ministries. And we would just love to pick your brain about dreams. Um, So I would just like to ask you, what enables people to see their dream realized? And what oftentimes do you see them being held back by in that process of dreaming? Mm, That's so good. Well, the dream whole um, it's a fear and not, not realizing my dreams is a fear. And then there's a whole section on, on saving and dreaming. So I'm like, this is a big part of our lives because number one, I think we get so bogged down to the tactical stages of life, right? Like just day in and day out, hour by hour. And you got, you, know, you got, you got a little baby. Like, you know how it is. I'm like, it's just diapers and bottles and, and packing the diaper bag and unpacking it, getting the car seats, waking up. And, I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. And it's so easy to live like that. And very rarely, are we in those moments where you just look up and say, okay, what do I want for the future? And so there are some dreams that may not be realized. Um, and, it, and in two ways, it could be gifts. So number one, it may not be realized because just financially, you're just not in a place to do it. And that, and, and so what I would encourage someone to say is it's not too late. Is there a way that you can have it realized maybe in a different way, maybe in a different kind of version of that dream? Because you don't want to just shut the dream out completely. But how, what can that look like differently? And then ask, why are you dreaming that? So that's like a big question I kept asking myself while writing this book is why, why? Like, why am I spending money the way I'm spending? Why? 
because I'm bored. Why? Because I don't, I, I don't want to just sit by myself. Why? Because I don't want to hear my inner thoughts. And then I start to, you know what I mean? Like you can just bring yourself down to like understand. And so asking, why do I dream that way? And so what I find too, is we dream tangibly, like in an experience of vacation or a house or um, a car, or we want to do this. Or that. And those dreams are great. I think that those are fun. Enjoy those dreams, but then ask yourself the why, why do you want that family vacation? Because maybe you're exhausted by work because you're working all the time and you just want to spend time with your kids. You know, like, so really it's family time you want. So how can you, instead of a big lavish vacation that can't happen maybe in the next 12 months, how can you create that space of that family time somewhere else? So, so kind of dissecting your dream is important, but it also correlates so much with saving. So I talk about why do we spend the way we spend and part of the book, why we save the way we save. And part of why we save is there's the basic level of the emergency fund and all the really exciting stuff, you know, that we save there for necessity. But then why else would we save? And the reason we really would save is to be able to do things that we want to do and allowing yourself to dream. So I find that when you dream, your savings follows. Like you have to be intentional about it, but you're, it, there's a motivation to save. Yes. And that's one thing I love. And I think God gives us so many great gifts. And I think he allows us to look in the future and like paint this vision. Where do we want to be? What do we want to do? And, and using money as not the end all be all in our life, but using it as a tool. And just like you're saying, like, we're stewarding what God has given us. And part of that is, yeah, we're gonna be able to bless our family. So what do we want to work towards as a family? And for couples, again, I think we probably talked about this on the podcast last time, but I just think it's so true for couples to dream together and have a shared dream. It's so, it's exciting and it's fun. I mean, it sounds kind of like cheesy, but it's true. Like Winston and I will go to dinner and we'll just say, okay, if money wasn't an object, like, what would we do? Like in a, in a crazy world, what would we do? You know, and we just dream, not that any of those are going to come to fruition, but just to allow yourself to get out of the day-to-day mundane tasks is so healthy. I think it's so healthy. And I think Rachel, I would say I took the quiz of like the seven different things, savers, yeah. whatever. and Josiah, like we are opposite probably on about four and five of them. Sometimes I'm kind of a little more in the middle of like, Ooh, well, it kind of depends. But I was just thinking in regards to the saver spender to be a dreamer and have a goal. I'm a very goal driven person. And if there's like a dream vacation on the line, I'll be so much more mindful. Like you talked about pizza. Like I realized I almost hit the submit button spending $50 on pizza. Wait, 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 time out. I'm going to go back and regroup. Oh, I spent 25 instead of 50. I'm like, okay, she's speaking my language because if there's a goal in mind and I think if I can cut costs and put money towards kind of an experience, but also a thing. We had a COVID couch that we were, we put money towards. We were like, okay, COVID's here. We needed a couch for two years. So there was very strategic saving and spending as a couple. And it just made it fun. And then you get that reward or that experience. And you're like, praise God, like we're here. Like we can sit on this couch and now have a movie night, or we can sit on Miami beach and enjoy the sunrise. Like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Yes, I know. Well, and that's such a great point because part of the book too, I talk about your money tendencies, the things you're saying, like I have seven of them to go through. And one of it is why do you want to win with money? What's your why? Is it more because of security and people fall in this? Like, I just want to feel safe. Like, I don't care if anything else happens. I just want to feel secure and safe. It's their deepest longing. It's their deepest motivation. And other people are status and status is not a bad word. Um, and I'm more status. So I'm more that I'm like, I will budget so that I can do something fun or I will save so I can do something fun. Like, yeah, I, I know I was fearful in pandemic, but once that's all over, oh yeah, I'm going to go back to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just, let's, I'll do, I'll make the sacrifices if I get a fun reward on the yep, back end. Yep. <laughs> and I think like the last time we had you on the podcast, Mike and I took that conversation that we had, Rachel, 
And we, that's become one of our favorite questions to ask each other is like, Hey, money's no object for a second. Let's just dream. Mm -hmm. What do we want five years to look like? Or beginning with the end in mind, like what would we want retirement to look like? How, how can we impact this next generation? Like what, what would family, friendship, all those things look like? So thank you for that. And I would just say to listeners as well, like for this book, know yourself, know your money. Mike and I couldn't more highly recommend it. And maybe you're married or wanting to be married. This is a great book to read together. And one of the commitments Mike and I made when we got married like three and a half years ago is we said, every year, let's read one book about marriage or that we can implement into our marriage. Mm, and then I think for those that were leading like our ministries or our volunteer teams, this would be a tremendous resource to just help them win with money because like it's going to set them, like it's going to set their marriage up for success. It's going to set future generations of their family up for success. And I would just say to you, Rachel, thank you for writing this book and for all the work you do at Ramsey Solutions. I remember being um, 16 years old and the iPhone came out and podcasts came out. And my boss at work said, hey, download the Dave Ramsey show. It was like one of the first few podcasts. And so I would start listening to it. And as a result of the, really, I would call it the Ministries of Ramsey Solutions. I listened to people call in to, to talk to you or to talk to your dad, Dave. And really, I view you guys as at Ramsey Solutions as like a Solomon team of wisdom, like you read about Solomon in the Bible and queens and kings and people from all around the world would seek out the wisdom and the insight and the advice. And I just look at what that did for me as a 16 year old is I had some dreams and it allowed me to go to college. Mm -hmm. I was able to graduate debt free. We were able to take our dream job of doing what we do now with young adults today and college ministry really because it took a step of faith, but we had that wisdom and stewardship in the process. So Rachel, we just want to say thank you. And there's one other fun resource that you have that just came out as well. And you're helping people's dreams come true with this wallet. Are you excited about it? Can you tell us about this? Yes, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. So it, yes, it's come out. It's been out a few months, but it is basically my version of the envelope system, but I wanted it really cute. So you can do paper envelopes, do the thing. It's great. But this is, yeah, it's a leather wallet with these, in, these sewn in envelopes. And the most beautiful part is it's made by people by join. Uh, join is a organization in India and they help employ people coming out of like terrible life situations, giving them life skills and the ability uh, to completely change their life. I mean, just an incredible, incredible ministry. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. And y'all, it's so legit. Like when they came, I'll say this, like we're trying to figure out how to make the wallet and like looking at China, like all these places and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, like getting bids and all of that. And someone was like, well, there's this company called Join in India. It's a non, you know, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of those type of ministries that are incredible, but sometimes the products are just a little like, okay, they're, they're cool. I like it because of the, the ministry I get to support, but I may not really use it or wear those earrings or whatever the thing is that they give, which is great, fine. So I was like, I just wanna make sure it's good. They sent us a version. I was like, shut the front door. I was like, this is the <laughs> nicest thing I have ever seen. I mean, it literally was like, this could be a Nordstrom. Like it is beautiful. So 
oh, okay, that's join and the wonderfulness of them and how great products they make. But it is an incredible tool to use for your life. So like you obviously help people when you purchase it, but also it helps you control your spending, which so many of us need. And it just gives you that, that accountability, having that cash, having it there. And, and even if I always laugh, cause I'm like, some people are freaked out by cash because of COVID and everything. I'm like, well, it can be filled with like goldfish crackers for your kids. Like, I mean, there's just so many envelopes, so many things that you can hold. So it's just, it's a great wallet and I'm really excited about it. So thanks for asking about it. Yeah, that's so fun. And at the, well, the podcast, this will be in January. So ladies, if you're listening, you can add it to your February 14th list. Hint, hint to your spouse, your boyfriend saying, by the listen way, up. Listen <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming. and I can use a nice new leather wallet. That's right. <laughs> Gentlemen, don't it. think there's a hint for her to manage her money more wisely. Just be That's right. <laughs> There's no hidden agenda here. That's right. No passive aggressiveness. It's just, it's just a cute wallet. Yeah. That's too fun. Well, Rachel, we have come to our final thoughts. So it's five and five. So we have five minutes to answer five rapid fire questions. We did this last time and we've mixed it up a little bit. New questions okay. for you. Okay. So I'm going to start with question number one. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. If you could use a candy bar to describe your personality, which candy bar would you choose? Ooh, um, I would say Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks. <laughs> Those are classic. I thought you were going to say a hundred grand or a payday. Oh, yeah, I could have gone the money route. No, I'd say Pop Rocks because it's like, whoa, that's fun. I love <laughs> that's it. what I hope people would feel. You never know what you're going to get. There's always an adventure right there. That's it. That's it. Okay. So Rachel, this one is about like what comes to mind when I say these two words, student loans, and how can people graduate debt-free? Um, the word that comes to mind is ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like nope. it's like the one part of debt that we can just go so deep into and culture justifies it for us, even if the ROI of what we're getting isn't worth it. So um, there's so there's ways to go to school debt-free. Oh, I'm glad you even asked this. So first and foremost, go to a school you can afford. In-state school, community college, you can't afford the, the great private school in Indiana. Don't go there. Like stay in state, do what you have to do to get through debt-free. Uh, number two, scholarships and grants, free money. So make sure you apply that. Uh, also working while in school. And this could be working on campus. Um, there's a lot of jobs on campus that they will help reimburse your tuition. So look into those things. So honestly, the school choice, number one, is the biggest. That's where you're going to save and get the most, most ground. Um, and then besides that, get free money where you can and then work to make up the difference. And I'd say take your time. Like if it, if it means you know, going five years, if you need to do it. I mean, like just take your time going through it if you have to, because on the back end, when you graduate without debt and you know this, I mean, like you'll yep. live that out, but I'm like, it just gives you this level of freedom that you really, I believe you can tangibly go do whatever God's calling you to do. Like I've talked to so many students, they want to go be missionaries in some third world country, but they have all this student loan debt and they're gonna have to ask people to help pay the student loan debt while supporting them. And it just becomes really tricky and really hard in a financial situation. So the more free you can be, the more is where God can set you up well. 
No. Awesome. Okay. Question number three, and you kind of already leaned into this a little bit, but the average listener tuning in is potentially a young pastor, maybe a missionary going into the ministry field of some sort, and they're starting out in their first role in ministry, anywhere between $30,000 and $45,000 on average. How can they win with money and become a millionaire and not settle for the life of paycheck to paycheck? That's a great question. Well, the beautiful thing is I hear people's stories from all different income levels who do this plan and it still works. So number one, I would say be very intentional with, your, with where your money's going. We talk about budgeting a lot, but that literally is the tool to use to walk through exactly where your money's going. Uh, I'd also say for a season, look where you can up your income. If that is just getting a second job, maybe on two nights a week or, or somewhere in there during the week, to bring in a little bit more money so that you can pay off your debt, I would highly, highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. And then I would say number three, be, be grateful, be content with where you are. Like God has you in a specific role for a specific reason. And yes, could, could something always be bigger and better? Sure. But that's not where God has you right now. Like, like right. Be, be content with where you're at and you will enjoy that process so much more. Good. So that's amazing, Rachel. We like to um, just stay mentally sharp and stay on our toes. So this question, if you could ask us another question, last time you asked us a great question, if you had a new question for us and you could ask us anything, what would it be today? Um, okay, did I ask about the baby last time? Because I want to know about the baby. You can ask about the baby. <laughs> How's how, Aurora, right? Oh my gosh, good memory. How wow. is she? Is she six months now? She's six and a half months at the recording of this. She has her two teeth. She's crawling. She's rolling all over the place. She's eating solids. She's trying to sleep through the night. She still likes to get up and have a snack, I guess. But <laughs> she is doing phenomenal. So I can't complain. I'm like, Lord, if we have another child, I pray that they are just as wonderful and easy. And praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'll tell you, like six months to 18 months is the... It's like my, the, I think it's one of the most fun stages. Like, oh, because they just start to interact with you and talk and laugh. And oh, it is so fun. I'm so excited for real. She's laughing and giggling, but if you leave the room, sometimes she'll scream bloody murder. So, oh, oh, they are, they're like stage five clingers, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, is happening right now. So, oh, yeah. Oh, that's well, Charles is one. He just turned one like a month ago. So, he, it's the same thing. Like, my, I had to, our family over last night, and literally my sister walked in the kitchen. He just started screaming, and she was like, He doesn't like me. I was like, He doesn't like anyone but me, Denise. And then my dad came in, same thing. My mom, my mom's like, This baby doesn't know me. I was like, Yes, he does, mom. He just cries at everyone but me <laughs> so yeah there's something special about the mom gosh i love Thanks for it asking that's amazing oh, it's too fun all right rachel last and final question if you could tell a group of college students and young adult ministry leaders one thing what would you leave them with today um i would say i would say working on yourself and being selfish in that way as early in life as possible and being, we're talking about self-awareness, but being aware of who God created you to be, why you are the way you are, and the parts of you that you don't like take to the Redeemer to redeem and magnify the parts that are so good. But like know yourself, like it's so easy to live up here and that's easy. It's kind of gets messy and hard when you go below the surface, but that life is so much more rich when you dig into yourself. So that includes your money, like with the book for sure, but in every part of your life. I almost wish I went on this journey 10 years ago um, because I think it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I think you just have richer relationships in life when that happens.
That's awesome. Amazing note to leave people on. So encouraging, Rachel. We just want to say thank you for your time, for coming on back. And you can find out more if you're listening about Rachel Cruz, her new book, her new wallet, and all of her resources when you connect with us at youngadults.today. Thanks so much. Until next time. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.